Greetings, and welcome to the Thirsty Mage, the podcast that hasn't finished round one and is already disappointed with the public opinion. I'm your host and Thirsty Mage Community Manager, David Lloyd, and this week we continue our multi-episode journey to find out which RPG our community feels is the best ever made. But before we get into this week's discussion, if you'd like to have a key role in the decision-making process for this competition, among a host of other benefits, please head on over to patreon.com slash thethirstymage to find out more information about becoming a member of our Thirsty Mage video game club. But joining me this week in a debate for the ages is NWR Ruby's editor, Jordan Rudick. So I'm, I'm the guy who couldn't wait to play Cyberpunk. I've got a copy uh, that's shipped to me from Walmart, but it's not going to arrive till the middle of next week, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. And so I went to EB Games like a sucker and picked up one uh, today. So what, what, I'll, what I'm hoping to do is I'm going to play a little bit of this one and then trade in uh, this copy or the one from Walmart. And um, I, I, Dave, I know I, I'd mentioned it to you, I don't know if I'd said it on the podcast, but there, uh, EB Games in Canada at least has a promotion for their um, card members, uh, Edge Edge Rewards, I think is the name of the, the program, uh, where if you don't like a game, you can play it for uh, two or four or seven or ten days, depending on your membership level. Uh, and then I think you can kind of bring it back and say, yeah, I didn't really like this. I wasn't feeling it. Uh, and they'll give you store credit you can put towards something else. So I might do that with Cyberpunk when my Walmart copy comes in, see if I can uh, bring this copy back and uh, just put the credit towards something else. Um, there's actually some decent sale. I meant to tell you about this, actually, because there's some decent sales coming up on a couple of their PS5 games. Um, Valhalla is going to be 20 bucks off, uh, so it'll be 59 And I think, um, oh, what is it? Uh, that didn't take long. No, it didn't. Well, <laughs> hey, Watch Dogs was over like half price already. So uh, I keep wanting to call it Phoenix Phoenix Rising, Immortal, Immortal Phoenix Rising, whatever. Uh, the, oh, yeah, yeah. That the, was, Ubi, the other Ubisoft. That one's going to be like 39 uh, also uh, next Thursday as well, so the, the 17th. So. Uh, my my plan is to maybe bring in uh, a copy of Cyberpunk, uh, the the one I got from them, uh, and maybe parlay that into two other games. So uh, fingers crossed, and I'll try to give an update on that uh, next week or the week after, uh, see if my my plan uh, ends up uh, working out or not. But uh, yeah, we both played a little, you and I both played a little bit of Cyberpunk today. Uh, still very early, too too early to really share any impressions. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, look forward to, look forward to, obviously, uh, we'll be doing an episode on that in the new year, uh, and maybe we'll share some impressions, um, next week when we, uh, uh start our, uh, Demon Souls remake, uh, episode. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, uh, it really show, goes to show that it doesn't pay to buy an Ubisoft game, uh, on day one, I guess. <laughs> you only have to, we only have to wait about two weeks to get, to, to get, start to get the deep discounts already. That's, it's uh, pretty crazy. Maybe the but... problem was releasing three big open world games within like <laughs> that's right. a month or less, like three weeks of each other, right? You had, yeah. you had Watch Dogs, Valhalla, and, um, uh, Phoenix, uh, Phoenix, I can't want to call it. Phoenix is it Phoenix Rising? I don't, I want to call it Gods I and think Monsters it's called Phoenix. because Gods and Monsters. That's what yeah, that's its first. That's the first title, title and I think monsters. it's as yeah. as kind of like uh, maybe unoriginal or uninspired as that title is. It's more memorable. So uh, that that uh, all three of those games released in such a short span. But I, I do I do well, want to try even... those, but. Oh, it's called Immortals Phoenix, Immortals Rising, Phoenix Rising, and they spell Phoenix. They spell Phoenix weird. Right. Yeah. F E N Y X. I think. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I'll just call it Immortal. So I, I'd like to pick yep. up those two and just kind of try them out. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, 
uh, after picking up Demon Souls again, I'd beaten it and then went back to Watch Dogs and finished that. I'm start. It's the it's the beginning of the the new console generation where I get very excited about trophies. And I'm, oh, not, yeah. I'm not like I'm not like obsessed with like platinum platinum platinuming games or anything like that or collecting all the trophies. But uh, there is something about like oh you know, I've got an hour to kill. I'll go see if I can get a couple of trophies or something like that. So uh, I'll I'll share more of those thoughts uh, next week on the Demon Souls episode. But uh, it has been fun, you know, uh, just kind of going back into games, playing them very casually, and uh, banging out a few trophies when I've got a little bit of time. Like there there's something really relaxing and cathartic about that and it made me think a little bit more about um you know just achievements in games and i really like the way sony does it Uh, i wish nintendo had something like that i couldn't really get into the xbox way of doing achievements with the the gamer score i don't know if i don't know if you have any uh experience with that or you care about that at all i vaguely remember that but i definitely uh, think that the trophies add a, a, a dimension that i enjoy like even in something i remember like uh, trails of cold steel 4 like even seeing mm-hmm. some of the different trophies and thinking like yeah this is a good way to to just kind of give you that extra motivation to do certain things that maybe you didn't necessarily do all the time like one yeah. of the things is um like i i, I never really fished in in trails of cold steel mm-hmm. but obviously there there'd be trophies and if i was going for them like that would give me motivation to, to be like yeah maybe i'll do the fishing then yeah and um even um and it's funny talking about the trophies in, in PS5 because I I was even trying to get some of the trophies in the uh, Astro, the the, uh, the bot game there that, that yeah. came with it. Astro's and, Playroom, yeah. Yeah, Astro's Playroom. I just you know they're easy enough to get, and it's just like oh, okay, why not? You know, go go get a couple trophies, kill a few minutes, especially mm-hmm. when it takes like forty five minutes to uh, download and um, process the the Cyberpunk game on off a disc. So it it just gave me something to do for a bit, but. Yeah, I'm expecting you to get every platinum trophy now because, especially <laughs> at, le- at least for the digital games that you have, because I know you you're you'll be facing long uh, with your internet speed. You're going to be facing some long downloading times and patches and stuff like that. So uh, yep. I guess while you're waiting, you know, to play the game that you really want to play, you can go back to some old ones or uh, even the free games from PS Plus or something like that. Bang out a few trophies and uh, uh, yep. kill some time that way. So yeah, Just- I. Yeah, go ahead, I have go ahead. two. I have two games that I, I've only ever one hundred percented two games. Uh, the f- the first one is Batman Arkham Asylum, hmm. and the second one is uh, Assassin's Creed Two. Uh, I, I I have only platinum that I can remember, like at least purposefully. Uh, one game. It's an RPG, and we've covered on the podcast. You want to guess which it is? Oh, it has to be PlayStation. It's on, uh, it was it was on PlayStation, I think, first, but eventually came to Switch. It would have been on PC first, I suppose, but uh, I, I ended up playing it. I actually played it on Vita. Oh, Vita. Oh, yeah. man. Now you or just it. completely threw me off. At yeah. first, I was thinking Witcher, but then I'm like, there's no way you 100%ed Witcher. Oh, God, no. I, <laughs> I do not. I don't have the time or wherewithal for, for platinum, platinum uh, like that. I don't know. Final Fantasy Seven? No, Cosmic Star Heroin. Oh, okay. So that's a, a fairly easy one to get because uh, the I think it only takes you know maybe one and a half runs through the game or something like that, or maybe not even multiple runs. You might be able to do everything uh, just going back to a save and and uh, maybe uh, 
I think there's a couple of extra bosses he beat or something like that. So very, very easy platinum if anyone has the game and uh, uh, you know wants to get some, a few extra trophies or they finish it and just want to go back and clean it up. There's uh, they, they don't take a lot of time to get. I think you can just I think you can even turn down the difficulty and um, you know, get through them pretty quickly. So yeah, mm-hmm. I really liked. Obviously, I really we really liked Cosmic Star Heroin and uh, to get an easy platinum from that game was uh, was uh, even more satisfying. So. Yeah, yeah that was me cool. though. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it it is fun to just just see trophies pop again. Like it feels like it almost feels like starting over again on a on a new console. Even though they've carried everything over from your from your PS3 and PS4 and Vita and stuff, but it does feel almost like you're doing it over again on the new console. Yeah, I can tell you the one thing though. <laughs> the one bad thing coming out of Demon Souls is I'm I'm really uh, I and I think we talked about this on the we recorded the uh, end of year episode early. And I think I might have mentioned it as a, I'm becoming like a a 4K snob now because mm, yeah. <laughs> even even starting Cyberpunk or um, there was another game I uh, I was can't think of what it was that I I had on there that I was playing too and I was getting upset that it wasn't the same the same uh, fidelity as Demon mm-hmm. Souls I think Demon yeah. Souls has already set me down the path of uh, putting my nose up to anything that's not in 4K. Well, you mentioned also, uh, I think it was you in the in the Slack chat about Spider-Man getting a, an update so that you can um, you can run the performance mode but still get the ray tracing, so you can yep. uh, get the uh, the fidelity more more of the fidelity that you're looking for, but also the uh, the 60k uh, the 60 frames per second uh, gameplay as well. So uh, it, it's it's funny, like it seems like maybe uh, a lot of these games that come out early, or you know maybe the things that PS5 developers are going to be focusing on is um, really, really taking advantage of the console, and maybe games that came out before, or games that were in development before the console came out, maybe those ones are ones that uh, they'll be uh, doing kind of patches like that. I'm all for that, you know, anything mm-hmm. they can do to really maximize uh, the hardware. You know, it's going to take them obviously a while to to figure everything out. So uh, I'm happy to you know return to games later or play them a little bit late if it means that uh, we're going to have uh, some better versions. I mean, I was thinking about Cyberpunk today. Uh, and just like, you know, maybe doing one run through the game now and then doing another one when uh, the PS5 kind of full, the full upgrade package comes out for the PS5. I think that's mm-hmm. uh, probably a good way to go for a game that is, uh, it seems like it's meant to be played multiple times. It could definitely give a game a second life, like mm-hmm. even even something like Final Fantasy VII Remake. It, it, you know, I think a lot of the people who wanted to play it have played it, but... If all of a sudden, you know, they come out with a patch and it's 4K, 60 frames per second or something like that, that could spurn, spark another another run for some people that maybe, uh, like if they can get the patch out early enough hmm. in the PS5 life, life cycle that, um, you know, when people start looking for a game that they want to, because I don't think it's going to take very long for the PS5 owners now to start start looking for games that are going to give them that, that fidelity experience like Demon's Tools. Mm-hmm. So sure. anyone that can get out a PS5 upgrade early on, I think, is going to benefit. I could see them timing, uh, for at least for 7 Remake, uh, I could see them timing that with uh, maybe a PC version uh, release or announcement. Or even even if they dated the, the second game or, or showed off a trailer for the second part, I could mm-hmm. see them saying, uh, you know, here's the, the second part's coming, you know, in... in uh, January 2022, 2022, it feels weird to say that. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, and, and at the same time, you know, we've just, you know, here's the PS5 upgrade version, you know, free to all PS4 owners, whatever it is, that, that'd be pretty cool. So, mm-hmm. um, I guess we should get into the drink discussion. We've got a lot of, uh, video game territory to cover. Yep. 
Uh, so for me, uh, nothing fancy. Uh, so I had one more vitamin water left over, I had the orange one. So I'm, I'm having that. Uh, it's pretty good. You know, we've, uh, we went on for a little while, uh, about, uh, vitamin water with, uh, with Casey the other day. Um, yeah, th- this, this one might be my favorite one. Like it's, it's a very good orange flavor. It's, it, it's pretty sweet, but not too sweet. And, um, I, I'm definitely going to pick up some more vitamin waters down the road. Uh, I, I think Costco might sell big packs of them. I just don't know if they have only the the uh like zero calorie ones i'm not interested in that so i need to go and see uh if they have the uh just the regular uh kind of 12 or 24 packs or whatever um they're pretty expensive i think to buy on their own i think they're you know mm-hmm. two two or three bucks a bottle so if i can get them for you know a dollar a dollar fifty or something per uh by buying a large pack i don't i'm kind of interested in doing that over the holidays so we're, we're due for another costco trip so i, I gotta Got to head out there and uh, see see what they have, and uh, you know, hopefully my, you know, it's funny you you think about the holidays and all the the spending that goes on. Like, as much of the spending on on gifts and stuff can also be like spending on food and drinks and and desserts and and things like that. I was looking at my credit card bill and. A lot of it is, you know, getting ready for holiday baking and just all the, um, uh, you know, maybe fancy dinners. It sounds like we're going to uh, maybe make some food and bring it over to friends and family. We had a, fr- a couple of friends that just had kids. So uh, we're going to we bought some extra food so we can make them some dinners and just uh, try to lighten the load for them over the holidays. Obviously, it's uh, tough when you've got a newborn. So, um, yeah, that that's us. But, uh, yeah, just an orange vitamin water for me. Nothing fancy today. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit the opposite because uh, tonight I've got uh, a Gainsbourg beer. This one's called Darling. Mm-hmm. And um, they call it, it's got a champagne on the front, but it's really just a triple Belgium. Um, but it's, uh, it's 8%, but it feels, it feels like a strong 8%. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess your 8% is already getting up there, but um, yeah, like you can feel the triple. Uh, it, it has a very strong taste to it. It's uh it, it, yeah, it's kind of a, a light beer, um, obviously made in like the Belgian way, mm-hmm. but it's, but yeah, the, the aftertaste, it, it kind of, it gives you a little knock in the, into the nose, the nostrils. So, um, pretty good though. I, I'm enjoying it. Is, uh, I, I meant to ask you about the, uh, you, you said that someone had reached out about a, a beer sponsorship or getting their beers, uh, tasted and mentioned on the podcast. Uh, where, where are you at with that? I, I, I don't know if I had gotten an update uh, from you. Oh, it, well, they tell me, um, it's funny, the, the, having recorded the, the end of year special uh, a few days ago, I think, where I think our timeline is going to be a little mixed up, but um, you'll everyone will find out in, in the final one, there, there, yeah, so there's this uh, PR company that reached out uh, for, I'm trying to remember the, the name of them now, oh, New Holland Brewery in uh, Michigan, and um it's on its way as far as I, I know the uh, the representative I gave them my address and she asked me what I wanted and uh, I said uh, give me the hard stuff so I'm hoping <laughs> yeah, to get so the, the... <laughs> the highest percentage you have that's what <laughs> yeah. we think yeah she uh, she named off a few so they the ones that she had named was uh, dragon's milk stout dragon's milk white uh, and she goes if you're a beer nerd you might like the the fodder aged ale uh, though it's not for the faint of heart and so uh, obviously my first my first choice was the the eight the fodder aged ale it sounds like she's speaking your language <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and then they have a, they also have a bourbon as well so i don't know if i don't know if i'll get any of that but it sounds like i'll get a few few different things to try out so I'm looking cool. looking forward to that so 
Yeah, I'm still working yeah. on us getting a uh, free Coca-Cola and Pepsi products, but I think that's probably <laughs> a, a little bit a little bit harder of a harder of a get. So we're working uh, our way up. Yes, that's right. We're not uh, we're not big enough yet. So this is the time to uh, leave leave those five star reviews on your podcast app. Uh, <laughs> help, right. help help Jordan get free uh, free soda for life. That'd be nice. Yeah. What we'll do this week, though, is uh, have a bit of a summary of last week. Uh, so we were <laughs> we were attempting to get through the the half of the first round. Unfortunately, we had uh, so much to say we couldn't quite get there. So we ended up having uh, gone through five matchups, and we had the votes. Votes are all tallied, and we have our winners. So uh, we'll just start off the show with uh, saying uh, who's moving on. So in the first round between Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI, we have Chrono Trigger moving on. Yeah, I that that's a tough one, yeah. right? Like I think a lot of for a lot of people it's pretty close, but I think it's very hard to put Chrono Trigger against really so many games of that of especially of that era and say, you know, this is better than Chrono Trigger. I you know, Chrono Trigger is definitely one of the favorites in this contest. Mm-hmm. And so Final Fantasy 6 had a really tall task, I think, and uh probably put up a valiant fight. I don't I don't know what the final uh voting tally was, but uh I think on social media uh or our Twitter poll Chrono Trigger had a sizable lead, but I don't think that was the case uh in other voting portions. I could be wrong about that, but Yeah, it was pretty close. Yeah, that... Um I I'm not afraid to say that uh I think I put I ended up voting for Final Fantasy VI myself. It, it might have also mm-hmm. been a bit of a knowing that uh, it wasn't it wasn't going to <laughs> to get past. The, I guess rooting for the underdog, but um, yeah, it's it, it's hard to turn down any Final Fantasy game. But the um, our Patreon score it ended up coming in at five to two in in that vote. So yeah. it was it was close enough, but. Uh, yeah, it's definitely like a one A one B situation for for Super Nintendo RPGs. Like not not nothing. Chrono Trigger advancing there doesn't say anything bad about Final Fantasy VI. Nope. So, and uh, in the second matchup, we had Bravely Default versus uh, Deus Ex. Pronouncing it right today, and um, you are they, yes. uh, Bravely Default uh, came out the victor uh, quite quite easily. I I would say, um, mm-hmm. the, the quite different games. Uh, to, to go up against each other and uh, I think kind of the community is more of a JRPG crowd I think for the most part I think so there was a bit of that but um, you also had the the recency bias a, a little bit but I, I don't know if uh, Deus Ex had much of a chance going up against Bravely yeah, I think Deus Ex is tough because games have come along since that have vastly improved on uh, what that original game did I mm-hmm. think um, you also had you also kind of had to have been around PC gaming, I think specifically when that game was released. I don't know if there was a console version ever at the same time. Uh, David, you or, or someone out there can correct me, but um, it was bravely default. Like not only is the third game in that series launching in just a few months, but it's also um, I think it's it's aged better. Like there isn't really a game that has vastly improved on. 
bravely default. Like it, it, I guess that's you know part of it being more recent, but part of it also, and, and we mentioned this on that episode of it using the 3ds so well. I think that really helps it stand out too. So. Yeah. The so the original was on PC, but there was a PS2 version. Okay. Um, yeah. I I mean I can't I can't imagine. I don't know anyone who played that game on PS2. No, I don't either. <laughs> uh, I might know I might know a couple people that played it on PC, and I again I certainly heard of it, and then played the the later games. But yeah, I, I, Deus Ex had a at a steep hill in front of it. Yep. I think. And then for our third matchup, uh, we get in Nintendo. It's Pokemon Yellow versus Earthbound, and Pokemon Yellow came out the victor. Yeah, this this one this one hurts a lot. <laughs> this I, was very I, close. I think though. this is also very close. It's very yeah. close. It was very close. Yeah, um, this one was really tough because they're so different, right? Pokemon being so incredibly ubiquitous, but Earthbound really having that that cult following, and maybe uh, I mean they're both you know you know kings and queens of nostalgia, right? Like they're yeah. both of those games you know are totally connected to uh, memories of childhood and, and games you played growing up. Maybe some of your first RPGs and uh, yeah, I I think everyone could. I imagine most people could be happy seeing either one go forward. But I, I'm really curious to see. Or I guess I was really curious to see what the winner of that contest would do in the next round. So that that uh, that remains to be seen. Yep. Yeah, and it was only on the Patreon, and it only Pokemon Yellow only won by one vote. Um, and then I'm just trying to look up the. Uh, oh, actually, on social media, Earthbound ended up winning. Right. Uh, just yeah. a little bit came out, but then, um, but then yeah, the other votes like, I know Casey and I both sided on Pokemon Yellow, so. Mm-hmm. That, that that didn't help. There's, so it just got Pokemon Yellow across the finish line. But the one, uh, the funniest thing I thought though was in the next matchup. Uh, I think the most vocal disagreement we had was with in the Xenoblade Chronicles uh, matchup because uh, we had Chrono- Xenoblade Chronicles one and two up against each other, and we had a bunch, a mm-hmm. few people who were upset that X was not considered. Yeah, I think that, I mean, obviously the trouble with X is that it's trapped on the Wii U, right? Whereas Xenoblade Chronicles uh, Definitive Edition and then Xenoblade Chronicles 2 with Torna, you know, have a, have a very large presence on Switch. Like just, you know, the matter of fact is fewer people have played Xenoblade X and, and maybe will ever play that game just because of where it is. So mm. um, it, it's tricky. I think it's, it, it's a recency thing. It's also... Um, I think X does things that those other two games don't do that I really like, but I also think that you know the 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 story of both one and two is just better. Uh, I think the characters are better. I, I would say for me, it's the world of X that really stands out, and so it's it it's tough. They're all they're all excellent <laughs> yeah. in different ways. Yeah, and Xenoblade uh, Chronicles One ended up being the victor in that one. Um, I wouldn't even necessarily say it was too close. I think. The majority of people were pretty clear that the first one was uh, was better than the second. Although I, I personally mm-hmm. have to disagree, but um, but yeah, I don't know. At the same time, I I wonder to a certain extent if it has anything to do with which game was played first. Because I actually played Xenoblade Chronicles two before I played Xenoblade Chronicles one, so I don't know if mm-hmm. that uh, affected my uh, the way I think about it. But I don't know. I just. I mean, we talked about it on the show last week, but there's there's a lot of reasons I think two is uh, a, a stronger game. 
Yeah, a, a tough matchup for sure, but uh, the people uh, have made their have made their voices clear, and so Xenoblade Chronicles moves on. And uh, again, we'll see how that one fares. That that could that could be an interesting matchup uh, in the future yep. too. And the final matchup that we had was Diablo Two versus World of Warcraft. And uh, by by the skin of its teeth, World of Warcraft just snuck by Diablo Two. So that was another one that was pretty close. I, I think we have to announce that uh, in the most surprising turn of events ever, I think Casey voted for Diablo two. Yeah. You know, in, in spite of the, in spite of the fact That's that he, he, plays. <laughs> he plays, he plays world of Warcraft, you know, all day, every day. And yeah. so, uh, I, I think, I think that's the biggest upset is, is Casey voting for the game. He doesn't spend his life playing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I voted for world of Warcraft too. Uh, I think it's just a more, more meaningful, impactful game. Uh, Diablo two, uh, in some ways, its gameplay uh, has been overshadowed or improved on by uh, the third game. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there's a fourth game coming out too, and we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, the fact that World of Warcraft is still alive and kicking, the fact that they re-released the original version of an MMO uh, it, in World of Warcraft Classic, I think is just you know kind of crazy mm-hmm. to me that that, and that doing is, strong. is such a popular game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it really, really brought back the fan base, yeah. and so they're almost gonna. It sounds like in order they're gonna bring back all this old content for I guess new players to play the game, and that that's yeah, I think that speaks to its uh, staying power. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the the first round so far, and we're going to continue on in the first round. We're going to start uh, with the games that we didn't get to that we had planned to. Uh, on the in the Western Conference, we got three matchups coming up, and then basically, I think what we'll try to do is we'll just see how far we go. Uh, we'll get through as many as we can tonight, and if we don't quite get through them all, then uh, we'll have a few left for uh, the Demon Souls episode that. Uh, mm-hmm we'll be able to talk about and um i even specifically left the from software <laughs> titles at the end of the list so uh they'll uh, those might be better to talk about anyway on the demon souls but uh why don't we kick off this week's round robin with skyrim versus fallout 3 so i guess elder scrolls 5 i should uh, maybe specifically say elder scrolls 5 skyrim versus fallout 3 so it's uh, in some ways it's it's almost uh, a battle of the Bethesda franchises uh, in a sense that I mm-hmm. we didn't go with the newest Fallout because I think a lot of there's still a, a bit of uh, controversy or a bit of debate of whether you know four is better than three. Um, so we kind of decided to go with what we thought was the best of the Fallout so far, and we've got the, these two going up head to head. And just like, you know, with, with Xenoblade X, we're going to have people saying, what about New Vegas, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. how, come, how come New Vegas didn't get included in there? And I think it's tough. I think they're, I think all three games have their own merits. Um, Fallout 3 might be the, it, it's the kind of that generational leap from the second game to the third game. It reminds me a little bit of what happened with GTA. When GTA moved from GTA 2 to GTA 3, and it entered like this, the, you know, the third person open world kind of type game, it really, really revitalized and changed the franchise you know, yeah. from almost like a point of no return kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, Fallout 3, you know, very interesting game. Uh, not not my personal favorite. Um, I think it is worth talking about uh, the VAT system, which I, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't... 
I get it. It's put, it's kind of almost putting turn-based combat into uh, an action game or into a third-person game. And it, for whatever reason, doesn't work out so well for me. I, I think I, I definitely prefer the combat of Skyrim. But I, I know a lot of people who, you know, the percentages, the fact that you can target certain body parts using the VAT system. I think it's I think it's really cool uh, and innovative. I just I just don't personally like it that much. But I, I, I respect it. I, 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 I can I can understand why people would like that. But for me, in terms of, you know, the, the minute to minute combat, uh, you know, give me Skyrim. I, I love being able to put up one hand with a fire spell uh, and then an ice spell in the other hand. Or I, I, I maybe I'm healing myself with my right fist and uh, you know, using my using some kind of spell uh, in my left hand. I, I love I just love seeing that in front of your face, that first person view. Although I have to admit, uh, I'm one of those people that likes to play Skyrim uh, in, in third person about half the time. So, you know, call me crazy, but uh, I, I enjoy uh, that perspective uh, in my uh, my uh, uh, Elder Scrolls game. So that's interesting. I'm, I'm a, uh, a lot different in both respects, really. Fallout for, follow for me is the VAT system. Like that's yeah. that's what draws me there. I love whenever I play, I always put uh, try to put as much as my stats into the VAT system because I just love mm-hmm. like breaking into a room and then um choosing like choosing uh, like blow the legs off somebody and then uh, you know take the head off someone else and that that's i i just think that's hilarious and yeah like that's that's what's fun to me about the fallout series um it, it, for me even like i i think fallout 4 if if i was to pick my favorite fallout i'd probably go with 4 just because it's the uh it's the newest version it it does the vat system well it has a lot of fun weapons in there but yeah, that that that's kind of uh, what I what I love about the Fallout system. But the for Skyrim, uh, I, it's hard to beat playing as a, a stealthy archer. Um, when it, when I discovered this ability in Skyrim, I I've never like I haven't gone off of it since. Like first time I played Skyrim, I had a yeah I was kind of with you. I had a fire spell in like my left hand, and then some kind of weapon to beat people up with in the right hand, and. Um, I think I ended up going to like Winterhold was one of the first things I used to do. Mm-hmm. And then when I discovered the, the ability to uh, become stealthy and then shoot arrows from the shadows, uh, that, that completely has dominated all my future playthroughs of Skyrim. And now like the first thing I tried to do is find the dark brotherhood. And um, yeah, it's, so that they both have very unique combat mechanics. I think that's what kind of separates them. Cause I don't think graphically there's too much of a difference. Like you, it's Bethesda, so you're you, you've kind of got a very similar look, and I mean the soundtracks are are, uh, it, I mean a bit they're different because like with Skyrim you've kind of got the the throat singing like very Nordic mm. sounding uh, medieval music, and then Fallout kind of goes with the I guess like the '60s kind of nostalgia, uh, mm. or or like '60s in the future I guess to a certain degree. Um, Story wise, I. I'd probably have to go with Skyrim. I'd have to give like a the benefit to Skyrim on that regard because I just think Skyrim's a much stronger story. And I think the I mean to to me Bethesda does a good job of creating letting you create your own stories. Like each each of the games have so many different ways to to win like or or mm-hmm. to get to the end like you know, in, in Skyrim, you can join up with the Nords or you can join up with the Empire or you can do whatever, like join with the Brotherhood or you, like there's so many different ways to finish the game. And it's the same with Fallout. Like there, there's different factions that you can join with. I think that that 
that does a good job of like it gives you the motivation to do different playthroughs because you could play the game two or three times either one really and have much different experiences depending on like which faction you end up going with so i think that's what what's what's kind of amazing about both games is that there's you know everyone who plays the game is gonna have a different experience right and um whether you uh, whether you kind of want to do the mainline story quests or you just want to do all the side stuff or, you know, just, <laughs> I don't know, just run around, you know, stealing things from people and being a yeah. jerk. Like, you yeah. know, the, 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 I think the, the overwhelming, um, kind of attribute or, or, you know, accomplishment of the both games is that, that freedom that they, that they bestow. Uh, for me, it's the, uh, the world, the environment of, of Skyrim. I, I, you know, I, I've bought the game on so many different platforms. I've played it through multiple times. I know there's, you know, probably hundreds of things I haven't done in that game yet, or hundreds of things I haven't tried. Um, but I, it's definitely, you know, I, I'd have to say it's kind of like one of my, if not me, my only uh, desert island game. Like I, I feel like, um, even even though I have spent so many hours in it i think i've barely scratched the surface and to me that that's what really um you know keeps skyrim almost at the, i don't i think it's a game i think about all the time like i think about just starting a new skyrim playthrough and i'm like if if time just stopped and you know all of their game releases just stopped for a while i know i'd go back and play skyrim you know it'd be it'd be one of those kind of priority replays for me because i i just um i think about all the things i haven't done and it's like Man, I, this game could feel completely new, you know, a dozen times, and that's really cool. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. I, like when we think about intangibles, I think that's a, a Bethesda intangible is that the the games that they come up with are are just games that you can play forever. Like it's just, mm. yeah, like it, it, they're just made in such a way that you can enjoy them all the time, and and then, you know, you could go back to them years later and, and play them again. Like I, I remember. I had a few, a couple years gap between playing it on, I, th- I guess it would have been PS3, I th- think would have been the last time mm-hmm. I played it, and then it came out on Switch, and just remembering how great it was, like, playing it on Switch, like, I, f- I, I remembered some of the things, but there was other things I forgot, and then just, it just reminding me, like, oh yeah, I remember doing this, and this was yeah. awesome, like, having, just re reliving the, the moment, there's very few games where you could kind of play again, and then relive the same feelings that you had because like now that you played it you it does you don't have the same feelings but it's just with bethesda games it just works out that way for me so one 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 intangible i do want to shout out is the, the fact that the bethesda games like these open world games they almost always have just the most hilarious bugs and not, <laughs> yeah. not just players but most frustrating bugs i remember when yeah. skyrim first came to ps3 it was a disaster. Like everyone had problems with the game. I, I know I had a copy of it at some point, maybe not at launch. Uh, I definitely played it on 360 and then PS3 eventually and then later Switch. But yeah, I, there's something to be said for the kind of the legendary status of uh, Bethesda games and, and their bugs, especially, you know, not, not so much like Doom, uh, but more the these big open world games where there's just maybe so many things going on in the background that uh, the, the consoles or the, the, you know, whatever is in the game itself just can't handle it. And uh, yeah, it just, just always feels like a part of the experience of playing a Bethesda game is trying you know waiting to see waiting for the other shoe to drop you know like what what uh what disastrous bugs are we going to find you know are they going to be funny are they going to be you know uh depressing you know are they going to be make you angry like what is it did you ever get the the flying backwards dragons 
Oh, I, I know I've seen it. I don't know if I ever had it in my game, but I've oh, definitely seen hilarious. that video. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that. I got, I had that a few times myself, and it was hilarious. Yeah, I just, re- I remember being locked out of quests or you know not able to talk to certain people for whatever reason. So I had, I had some more, some of those yeah. more frustrating ones, I guess, and but never anything like that. You know, was crashing my game or anything like that. Maybe some slowdown or some. Um, yeah, some, some small performance issues like that, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, just a, just a funny thing that comes, kind of comes with that territory. And I think Bethesda even kind of leaned into it themselves, you know, with the jokes at like, you know, yeah. the E3 or the game awards from Pete Hines or whoever, but yeah, I, I mean, maybe I, I think we're still kind of like deciding which one we give an edge to. And I, I think I'm going to give, um, I think I'll give a, a, a clear win. I think for me to Skyrim, I think that, um, just the, the the that world when it first when it first came out when Skyrim first came out that world was was so huge and so kind of hard to imagine you know in the game since you know we've mentioned uh, Xenoblade X obviously has a bigger map Breath of the Wild is a bigger map but at the time Skyrim felt uh, almost um, you know inexplorable or you know in, uh, impossible to complete like how can you do everything and see everything in this game in a lifetime. And obviously there are people who have done that, but I remember I, I picked up this guidebook for the game and it's as thick as a dictionary. Yeah, I have and that I'm just, too. <laughs> I, and I'm like, yeah. I'm just flipping through this game, this tome of all the quests and characters and people in the game. And I'm just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm always in awe of the, the, the size and scope of that game. Even if other games since have be have bigger maps, I don't know that a game feels as big as Skyrim does. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, it's a huge map, but there's, it doesn't like it only takes a few steps to walk into like a thieves den or yes or yes, or so to be dense. attacked by a dread. Yeah, it's it's very dense. So uh, I think yeah, I think Fallout's gonna it'll be a tough it's gonna be a tough matchup for Fallout to try to get past Skyrim. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, uh almost kind of reminiscent of the Chrono Trigger Final Fantasy in a, in a way. A lot of people like Fallout. I know I know yeah. especially Fallout Three. Yeah, it's gonna be yeah. close. So that'll be interesting. For our next matchup, we've got. Uh, the indie section. So we've got uh, we've got the new hotness in a super giant uh, game in Transistor versus the nostalgic uh, Toby Fox developed Undertale. Uh, I think this is going to be a very interesting matchup because uh, I mean both are both are indies, but both have uh, quite a following. Like I think with Hades uh, having such success lately, I think a lot of people. If they haven't played Transistor yet, they probably will just because I know I've I've already seen people kind of looking at the catalog have, mm. after having so much fun with Hades. Personally, yeah, I sure. think Transistor is the best game they've made. That's just my personal opinion. I, Hades was great, but I still think Transistor was better. In my it doesn't opinion. hurt that Transistor and Bastion are always on a steep discount too. Like inevitably, someone's going to add this to a wish list uh, on whatever platform and pick it up at at, at a pretty cheap price, and so. Uh, yeah, definitely with Hades, people are going to add the de- that developer to their uh, kind of to their radar and maybe go back to their back catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to say quickly, you mentioned new Transistor being the new hotness. Funny enough, Undertale actually came out uh, a year later or a year after Transistor. <laughs> yeah. But 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 you're right though. There's something about the the style and the visuals of Transistor compared to the you know more simplistic visuals of Undertale that really do lend Transistor that kind of futuristic feel. Mm-hmm. And I mean, with Undertale, they've got quite like it's got a huge cult following. following. 
And uh, rightly so. Like uh, Undertale is another game too where you can play multiple times and get multiple uh, different endings and different ways to play the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they even have like when you go back and and find look into um, it's one of those games too that plays well on YouTube because there's so many there's so much lore to the game, but then there's there's a lot of randomness to the um, to the game itself in the sense that there's there's uh, random like random things can happen in a playthrough that may not happen in another playthrough. Uh, mm. Like there's um trying to think of who that um uh there there's like a a professor or something i'm trying to think of who it is there's there i'm gonna have to look it up while we're talking about it yeah but you're talking about in the in the laboratory yeah uh, the lab guy like the guy who's closer to the end of the game yeah i'm trying to think of his name like there's certain certain game like you could be in a playthrough and not find out about that lab and what was going on in it because there's like a random it's a randomized thing inside the game where like maybe I can't remember exactly how it works, but there's like doors that don't open or something. There's something that mm-hmm. gives you access to it. And yeah, um, Alphys is his name. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then with the endings, like you, you've got like pacifist runs and, um, all kill runs that, that give you different endings. And yeah, it's just, it's very interesting game in its own right as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I guess for me, the combat of Undertale, uh, gosh, the combat of both games is is very, very interesting. But there's something about Undertale that the way it takes the turn based uh, style, uh, but adds like a shooter, a shoot 'em up element to it, right? Or a bullet hell element. I think it's, it's so uh, innovative. Like it, It's almost a perfect combination of those two genres. Um, Transistor's combat is fantastic too. The way it kind of combines turn-based with an action style and you can play by stopping the action and making decisions, kind of like a tactical game, or you can kind of just uh, play play more, a little more risky and just, you know, go in with guns blazing or, uh, you know, swinging your sword wherever uh, uh, power-ups or or weapon styles you end up uh, leveling up but um yeah uh, very 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 tough to call uh, in terms of combat i really really like both um I, I what i what i do think is maybe more memorable about undertale is the way that you can um def- you can defeat every enemy in the game if you want to kind of in standard jrpg combat fashion with whatever weapon you have equipped or you can just talk to them and try to pacify them or persuade them to stop fighting you and by doing that, you can unlock the pacifist ending of the game, which is which is quite good and quite memorable. Um, I I like that it's kind of got those the, the those different ways to solve combat in addition to also having a very interesting combat style that you have to participate in regardless. Hmm. Well, and I I thought that was that particular uh, pacifist run is quite unique because, like you said, the the he Toby Fox kind of invented that battle system where there absolutely yeah. where you have that like box and then there's like the heart within the box and then you have to avoid the enemy attacks and having each enemy have like a unique way to attack and it's like very puzzle mechanic to it mm-hmm. which i think mm-hmm. is very neat and um that that's i actually ended up um like i played it later on a, a couple of years after it came out so i i was aware of the pacifist run and yeah. knew that the I, I think like the true ending is the is through a pacifist run um, yeah, so I ended up going so. that way and, and personally, I just, I think it plays better in the pacifist run, like using, using that, um, unique system, like, cause you, you get to play that system to its fullest and, and really get to, to feel for it. So I, yeah, I would, it's pretty good, but it's, 
It's so tough because, like you said, with the transistor, it's with the bullet hell. Like the the way that they include the RPG mechanics within mm-hmm. that that kind of isometric bullet hell, uh, it just felt so good. <laughs> and yeah. and the way that um, that she dragged the uh, the sword behind her and the the visuals of everything and uh, I know the narration is kind of like a super games um, trademark, but it just it it felt so like it just it seemed like to me that it worked perfectly in the way that the game like i guess it's tough to get into too much specifics without spoiling the story but it just it fits so well to have the the that perfect narration on top of it yeah it's obviously it's an incredibly stylish game as we as we you know gushed over it during our our transistor episode Uh, i think the soundtrack is you know and i you know no disrespect to the transistor soundtrack which i think is incredibly evocative for that game and suits it really well but to me, the Undertale soundtrack is an all-timer. That is, mm-hmm. that might be a top five soundtrack for me for any video game. Uh, I listen to it constantly. I love listening to remixes of uh, the you know the Spider theme or um, uh, Megal- Megalomania. Like, there's so many uh, memorable soundtrack. Uh, fe- not even just the the soundtrack, but the the sound effects in that game too. Like all 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 of the sounds that come from Undertale to me are memorable. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's a very very unique soundtrack. And the fact that kind of Toby Fox did all of this by himself, you know. Maybe Maybe that's part of the an intangible for the game, but mm-hmm. um, you know, just just incredible, incredible work by him uh, put into this game, and I think the soundtrack, you know, really, really speaks to me personally too. Yeah, it's I would definitely consider it an intangible. The like when you consider how much unique aspects of this game were, like to have someone do not only the soundtrack but create such a unique um, combat system to to have it do so many different things, like. Mm-hmm. with with you know uh, the traditional rpg or the pacifist run and then to have to do all the writing like the i i f- that's one of the other great things about uh undertale is that the the humor that's in, invoked in the the story and the the writing mm-hmm. is very well done and it's it's really incredible to to, to think that one person did all all of those things like yeah. usually you see like you, you get a great writer or a great musician or something and like it, it, you know there it's always some someone's great at one thing and you bring in at people mm-hmm. that are great for other things but to have some one person to, to do all those aspects so well is pretty impressive yeah uh i mean the, the story i think for both games is also you know, so the, the humor and the writing of undertale goes against the um maybe the the sorrowful uh, emotional tale of transistor although undertale has it you know it's emotional bent as well but um I, I think the the voice acting maybe lends transistor like a gravitas that undertale doesn't have um undertale with with its kind of with its visual style um and the way that everything kind of sounds, I think it's, it's difficult to maybe take it as seriously. I, you know, I, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Um, I, I think it's, just, it's it feels more like a fantasy, I suppose. Whereas Transistor feels like a maybe a, a, a possible glimpse at a you know, dystopian future in a way, right? And yeah. um, the the voice acting uh, of uh, uh, the, I can't remember who does the voice, but the he voices the sword uh, 
carried by the protagonist red um yeah it's it's you know all-time voice work for sure i mean and super uh, it's super giant games super yeah super giant games super giant games like they're they're obviously well known for you know having top-notch voice talent in their games that really really adds so much to the experience and so yeah to- two totally different stories delivered in completely different ways um both very memorable though yeah and i guess to, I guess the the one thing that turns this to two is I think Red just stands out more as a protagonist um, than the yes. one f- like I can't remember the I'm blanket on the name of the Undertale protagonist, but um, I mean th- th- that might be a an indication right there of one being stronger than the other, I guess. Um, but yeah, I just I don't know. I just felt like yeah, you it was almost like in Undertale it was almost like you were playing the game, but. In uh, in transistor was definitely like the red story, and, and she I don't know she she came off as a as a much stronger uh, heroic um, figure to me, uh, or I I don't even know if like heroic is so much because like you said it's very it's a very very sorrowful story and it's it's basically like her fighting for her life, but uh, kind of experience going through the experience with her I think was very impactful. Like so it's. Yeah, it's yeah, it's difficult. So Undertale's protagonist is named Frisk. Uh, I had to look that up too, um, but it, it Frisk definitely feels like more of a surrogate for the player. They, I mean, yeah. frequently um, they I think they use the pronoun you uh, to refer to the the main character in Undertale, and so you're you're meant to feel like as a stand-in for that character. Whereas Transistor, no, like you're you're very much watching a story take place. You are not really in, in place of the characters. They have their own kind of thoughts and feelings and and actions and and history, especially. So, um, oh gosh, what a difficult matchup to call. Um, <laughs> I, I think I I think I'd give slight edge to Undertale, but th- th- I think this is going to be really really close. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I like even sitting here, I'm not sure who I, who I would vote for either. It's very tough, mm-hmm. but probably a good time then to move on to the next one which is well this is this is a couple powerhouses right here so yeah. this is kind of the open world ver- uh, section of our uh, competition so this is the witcher 3 wild hunt versus horizon zero dawn and oh man <laughs> this this is this is huge um mm-hmm. like these are both massive like great big open worlds they got beautiful graphics um Oh man, this, this it really, de- be really depends. It depends on what style of game you prefer. I think with Horizon being a little bit more action, stealth oriented, yes, and Witch Witcher being a little bit more kind of traditional, slower action RPG, more strategic um, in its fighting. I think a little bit. Yeah, I, well, it's tough, right? Because Horizon has that too. Like you can prepare yeah. the trap, you can prepare the traps, and you need to figure out what uh, the the um, a lot the, of hiding. Like, yeah, a lot of hiding, a lot of stalking your prey. Like you do feel kind of like you're. It's funny, you, Witcher Three Wild Hunt, but Horizon Zero Dawn <laughs> yeah. has just as much hunting of the those mechanical dinosaurs. Um, I never got a chance to play, unfortunately, the the DLC of Horizon Zero Dawn. I want to do that because actually, I have I have the game digitally. Um, I, and hopefully the DLC goes on sale at some point. But I had played the Witcher Three DLC, um, so I, I, you know, I've spent, I've beaten, I've beaten this main story of both games, but spent more time uh, in the Witcher 3's world for sure. Um, 
I, I would give the edge graphics wise probably to Horizon Zero Dawn. I think that yeah, I, I it agree. being being a very very late uh, exclusive PlayStation game, uh, you know, it was clearly you know designed for the capabilities of the PS4, and I think it was a really good showcase of what the PS4 can do. Whereas The Witcher Three being released kind of on many different platforms, um, there are ways to get that game looking very nice. But I think there's also parts of the game that are very muddy and dark and uh, maybe don't stand out as much visually. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, I think, constantly from from environment to environment, you you're, you always have your breath taken away by how it looks. So uh, graphics, I think I, I would lean a little bit Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, but yeah, Witcher 3 is no slouch there. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, especially when you turn on um, that little headset that she has and, and you mm. see like the visual come up and and there you get yeah, like really kind cool. of augmented reality like the the colors that are used and then the the detail on like the robots and and the environment like i just think it stands out o- over the witcher 3 um i mean witcher 3 does like you said it, it looks nice it looks it, it's got that medieval setting but i just think horizon stands out a bit um mm. i also think horizon I would probably give a slight edge to Horizon for the combat mechanics, just because I think they're, like you said, there's a little bit more stealth and um, precision there. But I, I just think that the 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 flow is a little bit better. Like sometimes I feel like Witcher can get a bit stiff uh, yeah. when you start getting into like the sword fighting in that. Whereas in Horizon, I I just feel like everything flows pretty smoothly, and um, yeah, and and I think there's a more variety to the way that you can play in horizon with the different weapons and the different ways mm-hmm. that you can stock the, the the robots or defeat them whether it's like using different weapons or setting up traps and stuff so i'd probably give the slight edge uh like you said for uh, combat on, on that end yeah i i found at least when i came back to Witcher three just to play the dlc before we did our uh, our episode with john um, I, I found the combat like I, I was just kind of using it as a means to an end. Like I, I really think the the story is what that where that game really stands out and shines. Um, for me, Witcher Three combat, I was just you know I did whatever I could to get through. I didn't I didn't really care much for the sword fighting and the parrying and stuff like that. I used some fire magic and sometimes I just run around uh, until my fire magic uh, would charge up again and, and just cast it. Um, but Horizon Zero Dawn, yeah, the, the combat's really fun. I do think that, you know, um, you know, using the bow and arrow was really satisfying. Like you mentioned, the being at scanning the uh, creatures to find out uh, what their weak points are and then crafting uh, a particular trap to, to ensnare them, uh, very, very satisfying. So, um, yeah, uh, combat, I, I would definitely lean Horizon here. Yeah, uh, for Witcher 3, now, I, I would probably go with Witcher 3 for the soundtrack and the story. Um, I think Witcher 3 benefits from the fact that it, it was uh, been a novel. I, I think yes. it always benefits or it helps the, the developers when there's already like a fantastic story to, to base it, the game on. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it, it gets a... It already had a bit of a head start there, but yeah, I just... The soundtrack to for Witcher is very... It's incredibly memorable to me. Like, I, I can still think of the specific songs in my head and... Mm-hmm. Um, I guess with Horizon, like I don't, I can't even really recall the soundtrack per se. Like yeah. it's, it hasn't been that long since I played, but it, I can't think of any songs in there. And I, the story was nice, but I don't know if if 
the story itself was really the focus as more like just the experience of of the the journey with alloy i think it was more yeah, about yeah. alloy than than a plot or anything like the witcher like i understand like you know uh, Geralt is obviously like a, a huge protagonist but there was a very complicated backstory going on at the same time mm-hmm. i think i think the world and the characters in it in uh, which are three are fascinating. Like, the side quests in that game are some of the most memorable uh, in any video game, especially, you know, the, the Red Baron, uh, that one that you play very early on is incredibly uh, evocative and emotional and very, very surprising, especially depending on the different ways it can go and the decisions you have to make. So um, a, a lot more maybe, uh, I want to say agency or autonomy in terms of directing the story in The Witcher 3. And for mm-hmm. me, that's what that's what kind of pushes it uh, a little bit further ahead uh, than, uh, than Horizon. But um, I mean, I think I think I think it's Aloy. I, I mean, I like Aloy as a character. I just don't think any of the other side characters in that game were all that memorable. I, I liked her story and her journey, uh, and obviously, I liked which uh, Geralt's as well. But I think there's just more there's more kind of like meat to the world and the narratives in it uh, in The Witcher Three. Yeah, especially well, when I you mean, can, especially when you consider all the the, the sizable sizable DLC. And just the fact that the game, you know, if you wanted to complete even the main story of The Witcher 3, it's it's significantly longer than Horizons and it's all filled with story. Yeah. Well, and then when you consider um, how impactful like Triss and uh, Yennefer are, like, yeah. they, you don't have that same uh, that same secondary characters, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. um, in, in uh, Horizons. So um, it, it definitely feels more of a solo journey in Horizon, whereas The Witcher has like a ton of characters going on. For sure. Yeah. Um, what would you what would you consider the intangibles of these these particular games? It's... Uh, I, I mean, maybe, you know, I, I've been talking about it, but maybe I want to say, uh, you know, DLC, the, f- the fact that both games had sizable content to expand the story uh, and, you know, add hours and hours to the playtime. Um, I, I think the I think the, I, I, I heard good things about the uh, Horizon content, the the Frozen Wild or Frozen Expanse or whatever, whatever it was called, um, adding kind of a completely different area and a different different environmental theme to it seemed pretty cool. Uh, like I said, I haven't had a chance to play that yet, but uh, for me, it's that Witcher Three DLC that is you know dozens of hours long. I, I played the um, the 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 second one, Blood and Wine, uh, before we did our episode on it, and yeah, it just it just blew me away how the DLC itself could have been a separate game, you know, along the lines of something like uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Torna. Uh, so yeah, the the fact that both games, you know, were already sizable, really, really uh, well received critically, commercially, and then on top of that had amazing, at least as far as I can tell with Horizon, amazing DLC as well. Um, yeah, to me, that, that made something that stands out for sure about both. Yeah, like for me, Horizon stood out as a, one of the most advanced PS4 games. I feel like it's the, the way that it was designed, it just like if you had to pick something that seemed as next gen as it could be, like that that mm-hmm. seemed like it was one of the the best design games on the PS4. Um yeah. but I think for Witcher 3 just having such a massive story, like you said there's so much stuff that you could, like you could play the game and miss half of the story like with all the side quests yes. and the Absolutely. and the different um different hunts he goes on and just the doing his work as the witcher and that sort of thing so there's just so much going on and i think the the, the world is tied together so well mm-hmm. um that it, it may 
even if you like you, you could play the witcher and you could be kind of irritated with the combat but the the story will keep you playing and, and yes, that's kind of sure. the feeling that i had where it was like i wasn't thrilled with the way that that it actually played like the horseback riding felt a little stiff and um a lot of the times i get into a fight and and it felt a little claustrophobic in certain areas but there was no way I wasn't going through <laughs> to find out like what happens in the story because like it's the pacing is is so well done and then like even if you start if you feel like you're getting too far into the story the side quests are uh, are just so wonderful that it doesn't distract and you you never like lose track of where you are so I just think the way that the story develops in The Witcher Three is is really the biggest selling point for that game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, this will, I think, this will come down to, like I said earlier on, uh, what what type of uh, what type of game you like. I know people are super excited for uh, the next Horizon game. I I am as well. Yep. Uh, and it, that that's obviously going to come a lot sooner than the next Witcher game, uh, given that we just got Cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I b- both very very strong uh, strong contenders for uh, for this center. Yep. Up. We're heading back to the east now, and we're going to start off with uh, the Battle of the Atlas Behemoths. And um, I don't know. I I feel like this one, this one is probably going to be pretty one-sided. Uh, that's just uh, kind of my my early take on it. But it's going to be mm-hmm. Persona Five versus Shimagama Tensei Four. Yeah, it, it's. I think it's very difficult for Shimagami Tensei Four to stand out. Uh, from from other games on this list, and especially against Persona Five, which is, you know, kind of took the world by storm, and the Persona Five, the Persona series seems to have increased in popularity, kind of dramatically with every new entry, uh, especially the fifth one. Uh, but SMT Four seems to be kind of in that cult classic or uh, cult following status, I suppose. Like, you know, <laughs> I think there are memes or jokes about you know, uh, real 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 play, real players or real gamers play SMT, and, and more casual players play Persona. And uh, it's because SMT games are so so challenging and punishingly difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. Even even at even at lower difficulties, it can be very uh, uh, very tough to get through them. Um, they both kind of make use of the idea of kind of capturing monsters to or uh, demons to fight for you. Uh, SMT um, it it's it feels like a more serious. Um, a darker game compared to the Persona games, or you know, tales of like high school, you know, high schoolers and the antics they get into, and half of it is just kind of their interactions with one another. Whereas SMT is, it's really just dungeon crawling, uh, you know, trying to get through the story, uh, you know, collecting different demons to fight for you, persuading them, I suppose, um, and just really just trying to survive the the brutal challenges of that game. Uh, but it's just such a dystopian, dark world in SMT4, or a lot of the SMT games, uh, even 5, you know, the little we've seen of it seems is going to be pretty dark too. It's hard to um, <laughs> maybe find a wider audience with the themes like that. Yeah, like, to me, like, SMT is, has always kind of been like the, the, the base, like, I don't know if back to basics is kind of the way to put it, but it's very fundamental in, in the sense of, it's almost like 
um, you know, someone playing an earlier versions of Dungeons and Dragons, and then maybe playing some some new version of it that that makes it shorter and and uh, easier to to figure out and mm-hmm. glitzier and flashier, I guess. Like that's that's kind of what to me Persona Five is basically they've they've taken the battle system in SNT, but they put this beautiful. <laughs> You know the visuals are absolutely beautiful. Uh, yeah. The soundtrack is amazing, like one of the all-time best soundtracks of any RPG. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and there's no, there's no, there's no debating that. Like it, it's no. it, aesthetically, it's it's a masterpiece. Right? Yeah. From from the sound to the presentation, the style, the menus, they're they're unlike anything we've seen. Yeah, and uh, the story is very memorable. The the characters are are memorable. Like you you like in these games like you can lose track of people pretty quickly like when you have that many but all of the mm-hmm. characters in persona 5 uh like you remember they're all they all have their own personalities they're all very memorable um even if like even Har- uh, Har- haru um comes in pretty late in the game but even even yes. she has has her her fan base like there's people who love her but even though mm-hmm. like you don't really get as much of a chance to get to know her um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, it's persona five is going to be one of these games. Like, I, I guess I don't, I don't want to tip my hat to <laughs> say they're going to squash SFD, but mm-hmm. persona five to me is one of those games that could probably go pretty deep in the competition. What I think will be interesting. I, I mean, we're planning to do an SMT four episode in the new year, uh, hopefully uh, earlier rather than later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if our opinions will change. Kind of, re- I think it'll be your first time playing through that game, David, or you've already played through the you've played through uh, four before. The first, it'll be my first time to play four. I, I feel like I've played like every other SMT, but not. <laughs> yeah, and I even own it, which is weird. Sorry, did you play four? Did you play four Apocalypse? No, I haven't. I haven't played either of them. I think I own okay. them both too. Yeah, so I know I downloaded four recently, uh, so we'll have to get into that at some point. Um, I I really like the combat in both games. There's something about the simplicity of the way the combat works in SMT4 that I really like. Uh, I think I like the challenge of that game a little bit more than the the difficult the way the difficulty goes up in Persona Five. Like SMT4 is hard from the get go. Like there's not really any yeah. point in that game where you're gonna feel really gonna feel overpowered. Maybe you pick up some 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 powerful demons along the way, uh, or you combine them and you you get uh, you get some strong ones. But you're always held back by something. Like maybe you can't have a demon over a certain level or something like that. Um, I think exploring the environments, they do look kind of similar. I think about, um, you know, the, the park areas and the tunnels in SMT4, it can get easy. It's easy to get lost and maybe not know exactly where to go with that world map. If the world map is almost as much a puzzle as it is a place to explore, uh, trying to figure out how to navigate it effectively. Um, I, I, I have to admit, I can't think of really any music from SNT4 that is all that memorable, I'm sure it's fine, but it just does not, I don't think it stacks up against the soundtrack of Persona 5, which like you said, that's another all-timer for sure. Yeah. Uh, the story and characters as well. Like SNT4, I think the story is, you know, which it might be similar in a lot of SNT games, which is basically about, you know, uh, morality and, and you know, religion and, and law and order and trying to figure out, you know, kind of which which path you want to align yourself with and inevitably probably overthrowing the, the god or gods of whatever world you're in um and I, I think that the story takes a back seat to just the the difficulty of the combat and the satisfaction of kind of collecting the different demons so at least at least that's kind of my experience with it i don't really pay attention 
too much of the story of SMT, uh, SMT games that I've played, whereas Persona, I, I'm definitely more invested in the story. Yeah, that's been my experience with SMT is it's more about the dungeon crawling and, and the demon gathering than mm-hmm. the story per se. Like that's how I felt with like Strange Journey and um, Digital uh, Devil. Digital always get, Devils. Digital Devil, Devil Summoner. Summoner. Yeah, yeah. I always get tongue tied. Um, yeah. So that yeah, that's that's kind of been my thing is when I play an SMT, I'm doing it for the the strategy. Like it's it's all about the building up with the de- the demons and stuff whereas mm-hmm. yeah persona 5 there's there it has that elements to it but i you don't really need to get all that detailed in in the cr- crafting of the demons to to advance like yeah it, it kind of naturally progresses that way like there are obviously like you you can if you want to and in my latest playthrough like when i played persona 5 royal is definitely uh, uh, the the much better <laughs> version of Persona Five, and mm-hmm. when I played the Royal, I really got into like getting the higher level demons, like collecting the the lesser ones and building them up. Yeah. And, uh, so you could definitely get that same experience, but I just don't feel like it's the focal point of Persona Five. So it kind of comes mm-hmm. down to if you're very much focused on the combat, then I guess SMT is probably a more more your style. For, for an intangible, I'll throw out that I, I like the portability of SMT. Uh, I love how they, they kind of make use of, especially the, the dual screen nature of uh, DS and 3DS, wherever you were playing these games. Um, I like that, you know, you can kind of see the map or you can see the different uh, different stats, HP, MP, whatever whatever things you need to look at when you're playing the game. Um, I, I think the, I think these games really lend themselves to portable play. I think, frankly, I think Persona 5 might as well, but, you know, we've yet to see a portable version of that game. I don't know if we ever will, but uh, that that's the kind of thing I'm maybe most curious about with SMT 5 coming to Switch and uh, SMT Nocturne uh, also coming uh, next year, um, how, how they're going to hold up on switch you know are they gonna you know smt5 especially like is this gonna be a game that you know looks better playing handheld or how's it gonna be on the tv it's obviously been a long time since they announced it uh and they've been working on it so hopefully we get more news about that soon but um yeah i i i really like the smt games i i'm always excited for the new ones but i think it's a little bit, definitely more niche uh series especially as the as it's kind of a, like as persona has become uh more popular it's it's almost prevented in a way smt from becoming popular because uh, yeah. they're so different yeah and persona 5 uh, holds one of the the first time i played persona 5 the the way the game ended for me is one of the most memorable in my life because just the way that it that it ended up um playing out so i you know it's so often so few times where you get into the situation where you've been beaten down there's barely anything left and you hit that button knowing that this is the final time you're going to be able to to hit the boss mm-hmm. and that it actually working that you've that you know you beat the game with like two health bar health health points left no care yeah. only the one character like the relief that flooded my body when i won that uh, just yeah just took me right over and um mm-hmm. i guess the other intangible was for that game is like i played it i guess i played through it three times now and yeah the um j- just being able to like trying to figure out the relationship mechanics in that game I think are pretty neat like trying to max out everyone like in Royal I I had like a schedule set up 
Uh, Like on a piece of paper, trying to figure out like, okay, this character I can do Tuesdays, this one I can do Wednesdays and trying to max everyone out by the end of the game to get like the best ending in that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that that to me, like there's very few games that can convince me or motivate me to do something like that on paper beforehand. And yeah, so it's it's tough. Uh, Persona 5, I just hold I have a lot of uh, affinity for that that title. I imagine it's going to run away with this, and I'm I'm going to give it the clear edge. But I I do I do want to see how our opinions change after going through SMT four again. And maybe it looks like we're going to be playing a lot of SMT next year, regardless, <laughs> uh, and not a lot of Persona. So maybe uh, yep. yeah, like I said, maybe we'll be more uh, uh, skewing more SMT next year as a result. Yep. So I'm I'm looking at the clock and I'm looking at the next matchup, and I'm thinking this might be it because yes, I could go for hours. On this next matchup, this this <laughs> we can have an ed- episode dedicated to the next uh, set of games. So yeah, and, and we've had episodes uh, for these specific games. Uh, this, so this mm-hmm. is this is the one I was looking forward to, the Nihon Falcom. This is Trails in the Sky versus Trails of Cold Steel Three. Uh, before we get into it, I I do want to point out that a lot of people, a lot of the we have a very uh, Nihon Falcom uh, crowd on Discord. And they all gave me grief for not picking the second chapter of Trails in the Sky. And um, for me, I like I haven't I, I only just started the second chapter. I'm only like an hour in. Um, so I, I, I don't I can't say whether it's going to end up being stronger than the first one. But uh, it's tough to imagine <laughs> something better than the first one. Like these these are absolutely incredible games to me. And. Uh, the fact that I've only discovered these in 2020 makes me sad. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think that part of that is just the kind of the way they've been localized or the the or released in the West. You know, it's almost it's not your certainly not your fault for just discovering them now. Like they, they they've been you know kind of on different platforms and different uh, licensing kind of hell. odd timings. <laughs> licensing they're both trapped in uh, all, all the Legend of Heroes games are kind of trapped in licensing hell. Licensing hell still. Yeah. Um, I think Trails in the Sky is incredibly charming. Uh, I think that the the two main protagonists, uh, Joshua and Estelle, uh, their their relationship, their kind of their banter, uh, the writing of those characters is just is just incredible. Um, there there's there's nothing. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it makes me just happy to think about Trails in the Sky and how kind of charming and. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. It's not a fantasy, but it just it just feels so whimsical that world. Even though mm. you know the combat and the maybe the situations they're dealing with are serious, but the the perspective that kind of that 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 uh, almost um, isometric perspective of the game, the, the top down view that you get uh, as you're exploring the towns and uh, the, the music and just the small villages and things like it. It's all it all feels so quaint compared to the kind of the, the scale of Trails of Cold Steel Three. Um, like I, 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 I've only played Trails in the Sky the first chapter. Uh, I obviously want to play the other ones, but um, I almost don't want to. Not to say this would happen, but I don't want to sully my memory or you know kind of change my memory of the first game and, and the characters in that world. Like it's it's kind of perfectly kind of crystallized for me in my memory, and I, I almost want to keep it like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas Trails of Cold Steel, like obviously, you, you, I'm very much looking forward to the fourth one. Uh, you you haven't stopped talking about the fourth one since you, <laughs> no. since you started playing it. Um, uh, that that world is is much bigger. There's so many characters. There's so many things to keep in mind when you're playing that game. The scale of it is much more uh, ma- massive than 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 the first uh, Trails game or Trails in the Sky game, I should say. 
Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's one of the things is that, like, Trails in the Sky was, was a P, PS Vita game, so it's it's got very a very retro or old-style feel to it. Like, the graphics obviously don't hold up to Trails of Cold Steel 3. Um, mm-hmm. I would even, like, Trails, even Trails of Cold Steel 3, like, graphically, it isn't isn't really a powerhouse, per se. Like, it it's to a certain degree almost like a PS2 game. I know people complained about the graphics. To me, they're they're... They're exactly what I want them to be in the sense that it allows the developer not to waste time with with the graphics. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it's it, they do a good enough job that like this is all I need. Like the, the, they don't they don't need to go further like that. This isn't why I'm playing, you know, their games like I'm not playing them for the graphical fidelity. This this is what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally agree with the feeling of Trails in the Sky that whole world like um feels it almost feels like a paradise where there's just like a few mm-hmm. things going wrong like yeah if, like you, you could see yourself living there and being very happy and cozy yeah. just working in an orbital factory or something like that you know or working in a shop there like it it, it just feels very very down home and cozy and and kind of small but in a comfortable way yeah like and and the, the just the fact that they have them like walking to the the different areas like starting off in Rolent where it's it's this small village where like everybody knows everybody and mm-hmm. and, and you can even see it like you know the, the the kids giving there's like the little kids that give Estelle a hard time and mm-hmm. and um and the everyone like even like the mayor they know the mayor they just walk up to the mayor like hey mayor you know like yeah. this very small town feeling and then as they get to the bigger places like it's still the feeling is still there, even though they don't like they're they're strangers in the new places. Like they go to Bose and, and and you know meet new people and yeah, um, <laughs> like and the characters themselves, like you know, I, like you said, I love Estelle and Joshua, but like um, Oliver, like he's amazing. Yeah, Olivia, he's great. <laughs> yeah, like he's he's incredible, and then um, uh, and Sher Sherizard, like. And, and the fact that like each chapter features different new companions that you meet mm-hmm. yeah it's just it's it's such a, a wonderful story and it, like yeah it's it's very warm the entire time um whereas the the difference with i i would say there's a very similar feeling in trails of cold steel 3 um but there's a little bit more uh tension i guess would be the way to put it i suppose absolutely yes definitely definitely yeah yeah, yeah. Like I don't feel the same tension in Trails in the Sky, but it's—I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. It's just a, a different thing, I guess. And like the the, con- the concerns of the characters in the world in Trails of Cold Steel Three—they're more—they feel like they're happening on a larger scale. Yeah. They might not even be, but just the way the game approaches it, the writing, the the way the story plays out, uh, there and maybe the music especially. There there are more moments that produce anxiety or concern for the world and its characters i feel like whereas trails in the sky it does feel like it's it's a search for it's like a journey for the characters and a search for themselves search for estelle's father and they're they're kind of just trying to discover things whereas mm-hmm. trails of cold steel 3 is more like protecting uh protecting um the school protecting the world uh you 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 sense the political conflict of the different territories bubbling over right that's kind of happening the whole time um and so you you con it's there's constantly a sense of kind of like this ominous presence i suppose even if it's not a person it's just this feeling yeah and then even with trails of the sky like estelle and joshua are, are definitely the focal points like 
so so it's a much more intimate feeling whereas yes, when you're with, sure, yes. with 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 trails of cold steel 3 like reen i think reen schwarzer is is a um a, a terrific protagonist like I, I i really enjoy that the character i love like you know he's 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 very um i don't know like a clark kent i guess like a very like stand-up guy who's always who's always doing trying to do the right thing but then always very mm-hmm. awkward <laughs> like is is the way that he interacts with some of the people is is kind of like comically awkward um yeah. but then the like the new class seven uh and this is kind of why i went with three is that like i just i i love the new class seven like the, those characters very stand out a lot for me like i love yuna i think she's a very standout character in three and four and um so so i really like like that character but the the interaction like having him as the teacher and then having the the five interact with each other i just think they do a very good job of uh, of maintaining like giving everyone their time on screen Mm -hmm. and 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 feeling like everyone is involved and then and then on top of that still bringing in all of these other people from reen's life um and having them interact and and you get a taste of them in each chapter and uh building up to like obviously uh when you get to four like uh, you you see them all the time but mm-hmm. um yeah i just i just think the writing in both games is absolutely fantastic it is i think the combat is too and we haven't really touched on this too much but i think that i, I like that the changes that uh cool steel 3 does the it makes it a little bit more complicated it adds more strategy to it yeah. um, but it, obviously it started with trails in the sky like w- what they were doing with kind of char- charging up the um the charging up the cp meter then using your super attacks and uh you know having to position yourself and use attacks that hit within a certain range or a radius like all of that obviously started in one place i think it's only gotten better since yeah um but i I, yeah i really really enjoy what both are doing if you think of trails in the sky as being a little bit simpler it'd be a little more accessible than trails of cold steel 3 being a little bit maybe better suited to veterans of the series, given the uh, the additions that they've made to it, but fantastic in both cases. Yeah, that's the thing is, I just feel like they've perfected the system with each subsequent release, and mm-hmm. I, I find the like on the PS4 having like j- even like the arena part of it, I think works better, and then having the there's more there's just that more strategy with like the combat links. You yeah. know, that that's definitely a part of the strategy. And, you know, you can get into the higher difficulties so that you, you can really get down into the nitty gritty into these into mm-hmm. these combat systems. And uh, I would like personally, I think the uh, Trails of Cold Steel um, or like the Legend of Heroes combat system, like I think at this point, it's the best turn based combat system in gaming right now. Yeah. Yeah, I I and, you know, we're both head over heels for for these games. So you'll have no disagreement for me. Uh, it will be interesting to see where uh, our patrons lie, uh, inter- or uh, preferences lie and then on social media as well. I am curious to see those numbers. But um, it, I hate to pick against Trails in the Sky, but <laughs> yeah. I, I'm probably leaning towards uh, Cold Steel 3. Yeah, so it's, it's tough. Like, it's... It just it, the unfortunate thing is, it, I guess it comes down to like the the new features versus kind of that nostalgic feel, mm-hmm. because like like you said, Trails in the Sky is kind of where it started, and so if you've if you kind of have that nostalgia for that old that old system or the or the environment or maybe even 
um, just liberal. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe you enjoy liberal better than Erebonia, I guess. Or, um, then, then maybe you you kind of go more back towards the uh, the Trails of the Sky. I could definitely say that. So, so the first time I played Trails in the Sky, I played it on Vita. But then the sec, I've rec- I've since bought it on Steam. And it's mm-hmm. definitely much better on a big screen TV. Uh, it's yeah. just a little bit easier to to use. Like I'm using a PS4 controller on my PC, um, so it feels very nice to to, to go through everything. The def uh, I definitely the second playthrough, I definitely understood the combat system much better than the first time. So I, I definitely yeah. had uh, a better feel for it the second time around, and then. Even um, doing all like this time, I did all the side quests and stuff. Uh, whereas I didn't, I don't think I I did as much of the side quests in Cold Steel Three because that was a review game for me at the time, so I, mm-hmm. I haven't been able to go back to it yet. Um, yeah, it's 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 tough for me too. Like I don't, I even sitting here thinking like I'm not sure which one to go with either. Like there's just there's so much good things on either side like even the soundtracks it's it's tough to say one over the other either because like they both i uh, i don't know if they have they have very pleasant soundtracks i think is probably the way i would put it i I don't know if i would you know bring them up on spotify and listen to them like i would something like a persona 5 or a, or a final fantasy or something like that but that mm-hmm. i still like they are still memorable to, memorable to me though yeah, I, I I would say the same. I, I think that they're they they fit the game really well when you're playing it. Um, I just don't know how how much I want to listen to those soundtracks outside of the of the games. They're yeah. they're perfectly suited to the kind of maybe a more laid back uh, world and style of those two RPGs as opposed to something more, you know, um, dramatic or bombastic. You know, I I, they, I don't think those soundtrack the, these two games really have that. It's much more um, subdued, laid back. You know, typical. Uh, JRPG soundtracks that, that are good, but maybe just not, you know, super, super memorable. Yeah. And it, it's also interesting too, that, um, so I played cold trails of cold steel three on switch, which is kind of like a Vita handheld. <laughs> so I kind of had mm-hmm. a very similar experience between like trails in the sky and, and cold steel three. Whereas on like cold steel four, I played on the PS4. So it kind of closer, closer in with the, my second playthrough of trails in the sky on the, on the PC. So it's, uh, I definitely like it better on the bigger screen in in either case. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking yeah. forward to playing Cold Cold Steel Three again. Um, it, it's even though I own it on Switch, I I've asked for the PS PS4 version. Um, mm-hmm. on uh, because I I'd like to start from the beginning of Cold Steel, go from Cold Steel One on PS4 all the way through f- to the Cold Steel Four, so that I can like transfer my saves along the way. Yeah, I think we're. I think that's just going to be you and Casey next year doing <laughs> yeah. four episodes back to back, where you talk about Cold Steel, yeah. uh, the series, and then Casey's just doing Wow every week, and I'll I'll, t- I'll take a little uh, vacation during that time period. <laughs> yeah. It. yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting twenty twenty one because like, yeah, we've you got... might not even have time for these games. I know that's I your plan yeah. right now, but we don't even know what's coming for PS five next year. So. Well, that's the crazy thing is like we got SMT four that we want to do SMT five. I've got a bunch of Nihon Falcom. And then whatever the PS5 throws at us, you know? So it's going to be an interesting year. Yeah, for sure. Um, So uh, we were able to get through five matchups today. Uh, We'd originally had, there's (laughs) five more to go. So uh, still uh, still a lot more uh, uh, gaming discussion to to talk about comparisons uh, between classic games to to go over. Uh, But we'll save that for another day. 
we want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, I hope you're kind of enjoying this journey we're taking to discover the uh, the best RPG, uh, and and have and hear all of your input on on Twitter and uh, to our patrons. You know, thank you for for voting in the in the polls for these games. Um, if you haven't already, you know, you can check out our Patreon, uh, www.patreon.com/slash/thethirstymage. You know, we'd love to have you sign up. You can participate in the Discord, help guide the show, uh, and even get uh, get games to review and to to talk about uh, on your own. Um, uh, the email address for the podcast, David at the thirsty mage.com. Uh, please, please send us uh, game suggestions, uh, things you want to talk about, uh, themes, uh, games you want to hear, hear us play or do deep dives on even things. Maybe we covered a little bit, but you want to hear a little bit more detail about them. You know, we can revisit things from the past too. Uh, but we, we need your suggestions. Uh, we're hoping to hear from, uh, more of our audience out there, uh, to help, uh, kind of tailor some of the content to what you want to hear uh for the new year obviously we have some ideas that we and we're going to be covering you know a lot of the big latest releases bravely default 2 uh we'll have an episode on cyberpunk we're doing demon souls next week so you'll still get all of that but uh, we still want to hear uh where uh you know uh, how how you want to direct the podcast a little bit uh is interesting to us um uh, you can find David uh, on Twitter at Filtered Gamer, mm-hmm. um, and you can find me at Wristman64. You know, give us a follow. You'll be tw- uh, you know sharing our thoughts on things like the Game Awards or reviews that we're doing, uh, or just kind of interacting with people talking about games uh, and all the things we're interested in them. Uh, especially sharing thoughts on PS5, which we're uh, pretty <laughs> we're both kind of enamored with right now. Uh, maybe some er- early impressions of Cyberpunk uh, coming soon too on social media before we. Uh, have our uh, full episode on the game uh, but uh, yeah that'll do it for this week David I think uh, I think we covered everything mm-hmm, I think so right on so uh yeah fun to look at another uh, uh 10 games you know uh, f- five very uh, tight contests and to uh reveal the the games that are moving forward so just to just to recap that's chrono trigger uh bravely default uh pokemon yellow xenoblade chronicles and world of warcraft are moving on to the next round uh to face uh uh, we don't know yet. We'll, we're going to find yeah. out soon, but uh, we'll we'll have an update on that uh, in the coming uh, coming weeks. So, um, yeah, that'll do it. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review if you can, uh, and we will see you next week for a Demon Souls remake episode. Goodbye. Bye.